Hello Celtics fans and welcome to another episode of the Boston Celtics Reddit podcast. My name is Ben Vallis here with you all the way from Sydney, Australia. We are back after just an emotional roller coaster of a week where we were hit with even more injury news and somehow managed to rip off four wins in the process. Here with me now to talk about all of that and plenty more all the way from Newcastle, home of Silverchair, it's Jackson. How are you, mate? Very good, thank you. Nice shout out there to the Silverchair, thank you. Yeah, six episodes in now, we haven't uh, made the Silverchair Newcastle uh, connection there. So I have a good story about Daniel Jones. I can't tell it on air though, so <laughs> hit me up afterwards. <laughs> we'll chat later. Sweet. Coming up on the show, we're going to go through um, all four of those amazing wins over the past week. We're going to touch on some of the news that has come out of the team and out of our subreddit uh, in the past week as well, and look forward to some of our matchups that are coming up in the week between now and when we talk to you next. And Jackson's going to take us through another segment of Opponent Watch where we check in on the Raps, the Cavs, maybe a bit of Lakers, and see what some of our closest rivals are doing around the league. Probably also shout out Joe is absent. He is working uh, tirelessly on his uh, cupcakes and toss-ups uh, machine, which Waterus was going to be ready by now, but he just needs a bit of extra time. So uh, that's why he's absent this evening. Yeah, definitely shout out to Joe, and uh, we're looking forward to having him back with us next week. He's absolutely a regular here and very much part of the team at the Boston Celtics Reddit podcast so shout out to Joe and uh, we'll see you in a week mate um, Cheers, now <laughs> Jackson today we played the Suns um, not the most inspiring performance through all four quarters but there were some interesting things to come out of the game what were your thoughts yeah it was basically if you had to envision the game how it was from a week ago it probably wouldn't have been looking too much different there um (laughs) the start was was fantastic the offense was red hot i saw uh we've got a google docs that we run for our uh, podcast where we put notes on there and i noticed that um you wrote down quite early this game was over when josh jackson decided it was him (laughs) versus jason tatum and i was at the time i thought oh you shouldn't say that but i'm not going to be the person who goes oh you're gonna drink this i don't believe in any of that but then they started to pull it back and it got a lot closer i think we led by 20 at one stage and then it was tied early in the third quarter but let's be real like i never really had a concern about this game even with the the absence of Kyrie, the absence of smart we just didn't look like it was bothering us at all and it was thoroughly professional despite a bit of a lag in the middle there the only real concern only real talking point out of this game sadly though was marcus morris's ankle as he went over awkwardly at the end of the third quarter hit his free throws by the way when um i forget the sun's player who landed in his space knocked him down and he got that tweak, but knocked the three points down and then walked off like a, a real badass that, that he definitely is. Yeah, Book has been absolutely beasting. I mean, you don't have to listen to a Celtics podcast to know that, even if you've just watched portions of some of the games over the last week or two. And before he went out with that injury, in the 23 minutes that he played, uh, 20 points, not much else on the stat board, a few boards there, but that's what he does. He just puts up points, finished a total plus nine, plus nine, excuse me, uh, three for four from beyond the arc and hit five out of five free throws. So the dude's just been killing it for us and hit some clutch shots against the much more difficult opponents uh, earlier in the week, which we'll get to. But uh, fortunately, some news came out around Marcus Morris after the game that he had some x-rays on that ankle and uh, it was prognosis negative. So he came back and doesn't look like he's going to be out for uh, two long days rather than weeks, I heard. So um, that's promising. Yeah. Something else that was promising was the matchup uh, between Jason Tatum and Josh Jackson. And you could tell, you could see the look in Josh Jackson's face that he he knew that there was a sort of a draft order um, 
flavor to going into this matchup against Jason Tatum. And he, he went hard. I think he scored their first nine or 11 points or something like that in the beginning of the game in uh, a real topsy-turvy offense, if you can even call it that from the Suns' point of view. They were really just giving him the ball and, and letting him uh, just do what he does. More turvy than topsy, I think I would, <laughs> if he could classify it anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, but no, it definitely was a duel between those two to start with. I imagine that probably more in Josh, Josh Jackson's head, as Brian Scalabrini said beforehand. You always remember who was drafted ahead of you. So I think that um, that take there was definitely true there, and he wanted to, um, he wanted to show you know, that he's worth being a high draft pick as well. But um, look, I thought Jason matched him in every single way. He couldn't miss to start with. It was really, really good to see. Yeah, he's got some really spicy dribble moves as well, which, uh, you know, he's starting to get some of that confidence as he progresses towards the end of his rookie season. And to see him actually, you know, use some of that confidence and put some moves on some guys, uh, in some cases, some, you know, some NBA vets, obviously not in the case of uh, Josh Jackson, but lately he's been putting moves on guys like Paul George earlier in the week. um, And that's just so exciting to see and to see what he's truly capable of. Uh, last two games, in fact, so this game and against the Kings where he has sort of come out of his shell a little bit. Of course, I'm talking Jason Tatum. 17.5 points per game at 57% from the field, six mm. and a half boards and two steals at just under 30 minutes per game. So really starting to come into his own there. It's great. Yeah, it's great to see him do it in the, in the context of the missing stars and the run into the to the playoffs as well too. Because I think we'll get into what it means for the playoff picture a little bit later. But it's really great to see him because he had that little that little dip, the rookie wall, as I like to dub it. But I think that was probably true of everyone on the team around just before All-Star break. You know, we were not playing our best ball. And, um, you know, Tatum being the rookie, kind of given a free pass, but at the same time kind of, you know, amplified the fact that he was going missing a little bit more. But he has responded so far after post-All-Star break just tremendously. and Absolutely thrilled with it, as I'm sure a lot of Celtics fans are too. Yeah, totally. I think... Uh... Oh, it's been said everywhere, but after the London game, we, we took a real dive as a team, and, and particularly Jason Tatum uh, really sort of fell off the uh, the wagon, if you will, there for a little bit. So it's good to see that he's he's firmly back on and um, and doing the things that we expected of him and certainly saw from him earlier on in the season. Some quick shout-outs from the game thread from today's game against the Suns or, or yesterday's game by the time you're listening to this. Uh, Captain Crunchies, this is what you get for not working out with us. Simply put, and fair enough. <laughs> Obviously directed at Josh Jackson there, where he, uh, he kind of did the doozy on uh, on Danny Ainge uh, before the draft and, and bailed on him, essentially. I wonder if he regrets um, that move. It's fair. I wonder if he regrets it. It's hard to say, right? Because like, he's obviously getting the minutes um, in Phoenix, but he's playing for a real bedshitter of a franchise. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's hard to say. I don't think that he would tell you, though, if you asked him. Yeah, no, well, um, it's funny because he probably, if the if it's what we believe the story was that I think we were led to believe is that he didn't try out because he was worried about the minutes he'd be getting. Well, he would have been in Tatum's position anyway and getting the type of minutes that Tatum's getting anyway. He couldn't have possibly known that. So, look, you can't begrudge yeah. him for making that kind of career decision. But, uh, yeah, he's on the Suns uh, and he could be on the uh, the Celtics who were the number two seed in the East going for the playoffs and the Suns who were tanking. But, hey, that's just me. <laughs> Another shout-out from the game, Fred, quickly. Uh, Collie Motion, I don't need ankles to sit at this desk all day. Mook, they're all yours. Uh, that's fair. I think there's a, a long line of people would happily donate body parts uh specifically ankles really it seems to have been the theme of the season and, and perhaps knees as well yeah we're, uh, to any, we're any all of our we're all willing ankle donors this season absolutely yeah i truly don't need mine at all although i thought that i was uh 
unathletic. And then I watched a bit of Jared Dudley <laughs> earlier in this game. And uh, I don't know, I don't like to toot my own horn, but it, it gave me hope that, uh, you know, there's still a little bit of a NBA potential in my in my future. If that guy who can barely get up and down the court can get out there and uh, and play the game, then uh, who can't? He stood out as like not looking like an NBA player. Like I'm sure he's very tall in real life, but when, the first time the camera like really got up to him, I was just like, whoa, okay. So yeah. <laughs> no, no disrespect to the dude, but yeah, no, it definitely inspires hope in, uh, in our uh, the, the more unathletically gifted players out there. But, um, you know, anything's possible. Yeah, now look, a win's a win. It was a bit of a nuisance how we went up, you know, early and then the Suns came back and uh, started nipping at our heels for a little bit. But like you said earlier, Jackson, like you just never really felt like, you know, the game was at, at risk uh, in any way, shape or form. So it was good to see us finally get it done. And um, Al Horford had himself a good game as well and has been playing quite well over the past week. We're going to hop in the time machine and uh, move back approximately a week ago and just cover off on the other three games of the week. Obviously, there were some pretty exciting wins there. Uh, we'll start with the win against OKC. OKC at Celtics, 99 to 100. Uh, incredible game from both uh, Morris and Tatum and Rogier and, and Shane Larkin off the bench mm-hmm. had some big plays as well. What were your thoughts on that game, Jackson? Yeah, well, I mean, I think we said on the podcast that I'd be, it seems really stupid in hindsight saying this, I would be happy if we were to go one and three as long as that one was the Oklahoma game. And that was the one I was I thought was probably the biggest stretch given that Oklahoma City just beat Toronto and that they were on a bit of a hot streak there. But um, look, to be fair, I think, it was more Oklahoma City choking it away than it was us winning it. But, I mean, take nothing away from the team. They still had to make those shots. They still had to believe and chase it down. And, you know, massive shout-out, I think, first of all, to um, to Shane Larkin coming off the bench. He hit that big three at the end of the, the third quarter, which um, is becoming a bit of a... a a, uh, a theme at the TD Garden. There's a lot of uh, three-pointers three going at the end of the quarters there throughout the season. Um, Terry Rogier. Now, his the praise that he probably should have got from this game was probably... Well, most definitely overshadowed by the Marcus Morris three at the end there. But, yeah. you know, that big three that he hit just after uh, Westbrook made that it. pull I, up? Yeah, a five-point game. And he just pulled up in Westbrook's face and knocked it down. No, sorry, he made it a um, – it was a four to make it a two-point game. And then Mello, the rest is history. But, um, yeah, no, massive play for him. And then, without a doubt, Marcus Morris, fantastic game, fantastic scoring, and that huge shot at the end. Such a tough shot, too. First of all, a fake out Paul George. Steven Adams in his face there, and with the, the clutch situation that it was to knock it down, you know, it was just... I didn't exactly scream at my television because my girlfriend was sleeping behind me, and <laughs> normally I, I don't care if I, wake, <laughs> if I wake her up for situations like that. I was kind of conscious of it, but it was one of those sort of... Uh, like that contains sort of scream and you end up sounding like you're having some sort of seizure but um yeah it was it was amazing to watch yeah i definitely woke my dog up i i screamed um at the top of my lungs like uh, just the whole uh way through the fourth quarter we were doing really well to stay in it and it was the kind of game where if we lost i think a lot of people were saying this in the game thread as well but would have walked away not even mad at the fact that with our skeleton squad we even managed to to stay in it with these guys Mm. with the likes of westbrook and Paul George, who's in the running for Defensive Player of the Year, apparently, yeah. um, and Melo, who isn't you know the Melo of old, but he's still Melo and capable of hitting some big shots, albeit not, not free throws, critical free throws <laughs> down the stretch. But Marcus Morris, twenty-one points, four rebounds, no assists. You know, maybe typical of uh, one Marcus Morris. Obviously, the critical game winner there, and a sweet dish recovery and dish really from Jason Tatum, who. Looked like he might do what he has done regularly and sort of bumble it a little bit and lose control of it in traffic there. But I uh, had the presence of mind to find Marcus Morris on what was apparently a broken play 
and hit that amazing game winner. So a really good good game all around. Rogier kept up his double digit scoring. Uh, everyone played particularly well, but the the call Jackson Ugh. on the on the game winning shot uh, was a bit of a, a no call really in terms of the, the commentary guys of the, the players only team. Yeah, what no, did you think? no call is incredibly appropriate way to describe that. There, like, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to get on a high horse. Like, I couldn't com- commentate an NBA game. No way. I think there's just too, too many people listening. There's cameras. There's lights. There's, there's things at stake. I just ugh, I'd freeze up. But I mean, like, I understand these guys have played the game and they can give you takes from like that you might not get from guys who haven't played. But I mean, you can't put all three of them together when that's what they're dishing up. I mean, it was, it was terrible. Let's just, let's, if you didn't see or hear the call, Ben and I are going to recreate this for you. A la the, um, the role play we did last week. Let's, let's, let's commentate for you the last 7.7 seconds. Oh, sorry. The last Celtics play of the game. Uh, we're going to start the video now and this is how it goes. Okay, so here's the play. This is with 7.7 seconds left, and Marcus Morris inbounds the ball. It's in now. Oh. Oh. Uh. Goodness. When you knock a team off, you gotta you gotta knock them off. <laughs> when you knock a team off, you, you you gotta be able to knock them off. Yeah. Whoa. whoa. What is basketball? Now, if you thought that sounded amateurish and terrible, you're right. But what we were doing was reading that basically verbatim. That was more or less the transcript of that commentary. And it's, it's shit, wasn't it? Just took away from like I didn't notice it the first time because I was too enthralled in the game. Like, uh, 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 but like watching it back like five, six times like I have, it's crap. Yeah, no, you're absolutely... The whole players only thing, and this is no secret, the whole thing is crap. You, you take away a, a skilled play-by-play commentator which is very necessary in most sports particularly in basketball where it's very high paced there's a lot of ball movement a lot of necessity and calling out all the little uh the the minutia if you will that happens uh, that makes up an entire play and to just take that person out of the equation i mean i guess we shouldn't be surprised that we we miss the bulk of what's needed for commentary in a play like that but when you're a, a fan of a team whose amazing play gets called or not called really uh, as a result of whatever TNT are doing there, it's just a, it's a bummer, really, at the end of the day. Yeah, and also a big shout out to um to uh, Timmy's YouTube channel who um synced the uh the no it was you sorry man <laughs> you synced it didn't shout you? out to shout out to me yeah but <laughs> some um, other yeah, legendary how editor. disrespectful <laughs> in, indeed yeah now our, our very own uh, Ben uh, splicing the radio commentary and the footage together on on his YouTube channel uh much much better. There was some other guy who did it who called me out when I posted it to the sub being like, thanks for plagiarizing my work. And I hadn't. We just like coincidentally <laughs> made the same thing at the same time. It was, it was a good idea. So there's no surprise that uh, nah, man, multiple plagiarized, people Plagiarized. No one would have thought of that except for me. <laughs> plagiarism. Now, moving on from the OKC game, which was super fun and really we had no business winning that game. Another game we had no business even being in, let alone winning at the end, was the game against Portland in Portland. Jackson, uh, you managed to watch this game. Uh, what were your thoughts? Um, gee, well, I was I was pleasantly shocked. I think you could probably say after yeah, the OKC game. Shock is the right word. And if that was a pleasant <laughs> shock, well, this was just a mind blowing. Holy shit! Like this, this made me real happy and real optimistic about everything in my life. Not to mention the Celtics going forward. It was just, it was just incredible because we had to hang tough with them for a little while there. But you know, it kind of was going the way that you know I 
I predicted it would go in an optimistic way. Like, yeah. obviously, you didn't want us to get blown out, but I thought, you know, we'll be tough. We'll stay in there. Eventually, they'll they'll knock us off. And they had a 10-point lead going into the fourth. But then, I mean, Larkin came out, had some big plays there. Um, Morris, a- again, probably the, the biggest, the clutchest shot, the most defining shot of that game, that three, um, that put us up five. And then Horford, I know it's Horford, kicked the ball out to Morris for that three. And then in the very next play, when they ran that curl, like the trapped kind of um, uh, Evan Turner in the post, and he comes around completely yeah. open on the basket. Another find from Al Horford there and the offensive board at the end there. It really just, the fourth quarter was just outstanding. It was so good to see. And um, also another shout out too. It might not, you know, again, probably drowned out by the praise that Marcus Morris gets. Terry Rogier. He hit two free throws with three seconds left that made the two, well, one free throw that made the two possession game. It might seem really basic and really, you know, a given, but given that, you know, Tatum missed that big free throw uh, against the free throws, rather, against the Wizards at two different stages and just the game we saw earlier, Westbrook and Anthony not hitting their free throws, it comes back to bite you, man, particularly in the NBA. And he stood up and he knocked them down and got us the win. And it was just awesome. Yeah, we've seen NBA legend uh, Abdul Nader go up to the line and miss uh, consecutive three throws. Yeah, uh, it happened to anyone. So, <laughs> exactly, it could happen to anyone. But Terry stepped up uh, with some just some veteran calm savviness and just knocked them down. So yeah, good call out there, Jackson. Like that was definitely a pivotal moment of the game. Uh, and we definitely played basically the perfect game in the fourth quarter. Al Horford has been finding some rhythm. Didn't uh, stuff the stat sheet in this game, but he had a very efficient 11 points couple of assists and three boards as well in his 32 minutes and just has so many like hockey assists and sets these high screens that initiate the 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 start of our offense and those dribble handoffs at the top of the key tatum with the 13 points as well uh, very very efficiently done and i want to shout out aaron baines who is probably i don't think he's ever been shouted out on this podcast except for maybe because he's australian and he may never get shouted out again but we should shout him out more i think I know, but he, I mean, to be fair, he, he starts the game. He sort of plays that Avery Bradley role for our team this year, which sounds weird, but you know how AB would always score like our early force, first quarter points and then maybe he wouldn't come on to score at all for the rest of the game True. or at least until the fourth quarter. Aaron Baines, we seem to always go to him early in the game. And if he's, if he's hitting his shots and if he's playing efficiently, he'll end up with a little stat line like he had after this game against Portland, which was almost a double-double, nine points, nine boards and three assists in just 19 minutes. So it was good to see him. Uh, sort of carve out a little role for himself in the team there for the first time in a while. Definitely, yeah. I was going to say, good shout out that, yeah, he does definitely, he starts the game, probably scores most of his points early, probably accumulates a lot of fouls too, so he does go out there too. But um, yeah, if you, if you live somewhere in the world where um, sports betting is um, is legal and all above above board, uh, a good pun is probably uh, first uh, first basket or first point score goes to Aaron Baines. So, you know, for Bainsy. the future, yeah, you're just looking to add a little bit of a wild card in there. Throw that one down. I reckon it'll probably pay off for you more often than not. Yeah. Now, look, super low expectations going into this game. Like we said, same with the OKC game. Uh, And we were saying last week, or maybe it was me, I don't know that you were saying this about the OKC game, but I was saying last week that if we were going to lose one game out of the four, it was definitely going to be this one against the Trailblazers. The Blazers have been hot, although maybe not so much since we uh, schooled them in their own house. Um, But even going down into the fourth quarter, down 10 points, I wasn't even mad. I was just I was happy that we could even keep it that close up until that point, given that we've basically only got half of our team with us at the moment. I was kind of stoked that we made it that far in their house without a total blowout. And just to see us come back in that fashion and, and Timmy, shout out to Timmy again, has a, a great video on his YouTube channel, which he posted to the sub of the final two minutes of the game. 
two um, minutes as far as the clock is concerned. Obviously, it goes for a, a lot longer than that as it tends to in uh, the NBA. But um, that's definitely well worth a watch because you can sort of see where we just like punch the air out of, of the Blazers for the final time and the momentum finally takes that, that last shift in our direction and there's just no chance that the Blazers are going to come back. And it's a great moment and, and well captured in that vid. Yeah. So definitely worth checking out. And obviously that includes the clutch mook shot as well, which was great. And had me screaming again and waking up my poor dog. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I was going to say amazing from Marcus Morris. He earned himself a post-game thread appreciation thread. Appreciation thread. Top comment from JB74, the win. Can switch onto positions other than his own. Check. Can create his own shot. Check. Can make plays for others when needed. Check. Is the most clutch player in Celtics history. Check. Facts. <laughs> Air Mag Swag replies with uh, most clutch player in cross Celtics NBA history. Fix that for you. A lot of why, a lot of wisdom on the uh, <laughs> the subreddit there. Yeah, totally. Uh, I I think I coined a new verb potentially on our little Google Hangouts chat during the game that potentially Marcus Morris space jammed Paul Pierce, and I even went on to say potentially Michael Jordan as well because the the kind of shots that he's taking, it's like he has collected the skill set of Paul Pierce into some sort of alien basketball and like inherited it into his own body and and consumed the uh the shot making ability of of one prime Paul Pierce because at the beginning of the season we talked about this in earlier episodes of the podcast he would get the ball and he would stop our offense and he would take these selfish isolation shots that that didn't really do much for our team um but now he's making all of those shots so it's like fuck the offense like give the ball to Mook feed him the rock and let him go to town and that's what he's been doing and that's what got him 30 points in this game and and another basic game winner so yeah, well deserving of the appreciation thread and hopefully he'll get a couple more before the season's out. I think if there's anyone in the NBA that has um, has mastered the technology in Space Jam that is to steal the talent from other players and put it into their own, I would say Brad Stevens is probably top of that list. Surely, right? Absolutely. You get, how else could you explain the production we're getting from some of these players? And also when they leave us, what they turn into. So I think there could be a theory to that. Yeah, and we're going to touch on a potential Coach of the Year campaign that Brad Stevens has been embarking on a little later in the pod. We just want to very quickly get to the one other game that happened this week. Just quickly, it happened yesterday, first game of back-to-back. Not much to talk about, but of course, I'm talking about the win against the Kings in their house. Uh, Jackson, uh, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it was nice, comfortable viewing, just like we hoped, probably just like we expected. Terry Roger, just uh, whenever this dude starts, he just is... Dynamite, 33 points there. Um, the third quarter dominance was just very plain to see and everyone was getting involved there. Um, it was also the game Jalen Brown came back from after his um, absence out there. Took the ball to the rim and dunked it, I think, three times total after he said he probably wouldn't due to his uh, his mother's yeah. concerns. So good to I, see. I was cringing my way through all of those those dunks. Like every time he got the ball and went into the crowded paint area, like I almost had to look away after what happened that to him. That two-handed you know, one, I think, ago. when he went through all the players and just and kind of hung off the rim there for was it there was that kind of half second yeah don't slip and you're like, off. dude it's the kings like relax it's like <laughs> settle for the layup it's fine you'll be back it's okay absolutely <laughs> but sneaky efficient there seven for six sorry six for seven from the field hit all of these free throws 19 points a block uh only one assist and a couple of boards as well and finished plus 26 so um definitely good to have one of our original starters back in the team and healthy and not paralyzed Yes. Can't emphasize that enough yes. after what happened to him. Uh, and yeah, just by putting up those points super efficiently. So really good to see. 
What else? I almost glossed over Terry Rogier's three-point shooting. Eight of 12. Like those oh, are yeah. crazy those efficient. Proper Isaiah slash Steph Curry numbers there, man. He was only one away from the, um, the Celtics franchise record, which is owned by the um, before-mentioned Isaiah Thomas. Didn't look like he could miss for a little while there. Everything that was coming out of his hands was just wet. And, you know, he's capable of games like that. We've seen it, you know, a few times this season that, you know, you just feel confident when he's in the starting lineup. And when he does get his shot going, he's just he's as reliable as he can get on this team. So big shout out to T-Row there. Jabari Bird as well, uh, seven and a half minutes. And there's a clip on our sub again. I think it's Timmy. Um, you're used to hearing his name around uh, this podcast at this point, but it's. Brad Stevens like calling out words of encouragement to him about his, uh, you know, his defensive playing, if you will. Um, mm. It's just really good to see, and it says a lot for for who Brad Stevens is as a coach that he would, you know, put this guy on the court who's been in the G League for the majority of the year, has barely seen any court time in the NBA, um, and he finished a plus ten, but like literally accrued no other stats. So he was just out there, you know, affecting the defense in a positive way and was getting the shout-outs from the coach appropriately. So so that was kind of a cool thing to see and didn't maybe look not bad. Um, showing up. On. Yeah, I was going to say, didn't look out of place too much, did he? I mean, like, poor Abdul Nader gets a lot of stick and has made the scapegoat a lot of times when we go on bad runs there. But, um, I mean, when he was in, um, he definitely didn't stand out as someone who's basically just bench filler and um you get like you said you could hear brad very audibly calling out giving him encouragement and i think that's probably speaks a lot to brad stevens what kind of coach he is too there's probably some guys that you've got to give that encouragement to you've got to give them the positive feedback to get them the best out of them there's probably guys in there that he doesn't even speak to at all or he just he's a bit more hard on because he knows that's how that to get the best performance out of them this is pure speculation i think but um just the encouragement that he was giving to jabari was um was good to see yeah, no, absolutely. And hopefully we see a bit more of him, maybe a bit less of Nader. I know that, you know, like you said, Nader is a scapegoat and he does cop a lot of shit. Sometimes it's rightly so. Like you kind of want to love deserved. everyone on the team. Yeah. Like you want, like they're your guys, it's your team and you want to support and encourage everybody. Uh, but in the case of Nader, the Terminator, um, he just doesn't seem to have it. Um, and he makes a lot of boneheaded plays. And I don't know if he's nervous and... Under those nerves exists a good, composed, skilled basketball player, um, or if just the the curve between the G League and the NBA is just so steep that he just will never make the transition. Who knows? Yeah. But uh, certainly not doing it for us now, and hopefully we don't see much more of him, yeah. um, particularly once we move into the playoffs. You get the feel. I get the feeling Brad does believe in him, but you absolutely know that he is only there due to the the injury crisis that we're currently going through. I mean, if Gordon was there, if Smart was there, if Kyrie was there, he would not be in unless it's some real garbage time. I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, now, moving on, some news coming out around the team over the past week or so. Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, tweeted out. Amidst the concerns around uh, Kyrie's knee, and I believe this was before the surgery, there remains no structural damage in Irving's sore left knee. League sources tell ESPN, belief is still rest is the best remedy for his eventual return. So that was cool to see. Obviously, a lot of concern regarding Kyrie's knee. Uh, But he's since had a, they called it a a non-invasive or a... Minimally um, invasive, I think was... That's the one, yeah. A minimally invasive uh, procedure. Um, to remove a stabilizing wire from his knee. And as part of that operation, and this has come out from multiple sources, but uh, Woj is one of them, as part of that operation or procedure, they were able to determine whilst extracting the source of the of the pain in the, in the first place that uh, 
that his knee was, uh, in fact, healed from that original fractured patella injury that he suffered in the 2015 final. So that's really good news, I think. I know there was a lot of concern that, you know, we've just acquired this young all-star and is he just going to have bothersome, you know, knee injuries throughout his career and with his time with the Celtics. But to hear that the original injury has healed completely and there's no structural damage, I think is a really positive sign. Yeah, it's probably the best case scenario we could have wanted, really. I mean, obviously, no surgery and just playing on would have been the, the, the number one priority or the number one, you know, wish of every Celtics fan. But the fact that he did need to get the surgery or they felt it was the best move to get the surgery, they went in there. It sounds like they knew exactly what they were doing. They were looking to get that wire out. They were looking to alleviate the, the cause of the the uh, the pain or the soreness or whatever they want to call it. But it looks like that was it. No other structural damage, no other um, issues that we have to worry about. There's no botched surgery or anything like that. So, um, yeah, fantastic news. Yeah, and they've given him a timeline of three to six weeks to return to basketball activities. Whether basketball activities means shooting or you know, playing in the NBA playoffs is also a basketball activity. So maybe it's that. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, I think that the intention must be to just try and get through the first round of the playoffs with basically the squad that we have now. Mm-hmm. Um, like they're playing quite well. And I think between Rogier and Tatum and Mook Morris, they can hopefully get us through a first round matchup, particularly if, it, if it's against the Bucks. Um, although the Heat have had a couple of um, terrible games recently. So, so who knows? Um, but I think it's quite promising. I, I posted on the sub myself recently. And it was basically just like this optimist, like keep your head up Celtics fans kind of thing that I just like typed on my phone while I was waiting for a coffee in a cafe. I basically said, look, I think it's fine. Uh, and we can look forward to having basically our full complement back by the second round of the playoffs with the exception of, of course, Gordon Haywood and Daniel Tice. Everyone else's injuries are not really... Uh, for the remainder of the season, and there's there's been a lot of talk about the fact that we'll have that full-strength squad, or for the most part, a full-strength squad, back by the second round. So I think that's something to be optimistic about and something to really look forward to, so long as we can get through that first round. Mm, yeah, no, it's a bit, it's a big if, you know, you, we've, got to, we've got to be real here. Like, I mean, the, the whether we play the Bucks or whether we play the Heat, both of them have... We'll get into these reasons later, I suppose, you know, why they'll be dangerous. But, I mean, getting to that second round is going to be, I think, the biggest priority for us now. I think if we can get past that, navigate that first round of the playoffs without Smart, without Kyrie and everybody else for that matter, um, anything we do from there, in my view, will be, you know, kind of a bonus. I mean, obviously, we all want Banner 18. We want to get to the finals. We want to get to the East finals, obviously, as much. But, I mean, given the circumstances, given everything that's gone down this year, I think if the the backups or, you know, the squad without the main star at least can get to the second round of the playoffs in their absence that's something we've got to be proud of and we've got to be very positive about for the future yeah and i think if we can do that it's definitely going to like finalize brad stevens run at coach of the year as well like there's Mm. a lot of i mean we may as well just get into this now seeing as it seems to segue into it but there's there's a lot of talk about Dwayne casey potentially getting coach of the year because of uh, I can't remember where I heard this, but basically because he's decided all of a sudden that three-point shots are relevant in a modern NBA <laughs> offense and has implemented that with that Raptors squad who already have really good players and for the most part are healthy, because he's decided that he's worthy of coach of the year, maybe maybe that's the case, that he has implemented that that extra component to the offense and they have got that number one seed. But what Brad Stevens has been able to do with this team with all the injuries that we've seen, and especially if, like we were saying, they can get through that first round with basically half of our squad and almost none of our All-Stars. Um, shout out to our All-Stars still on the team. Um, I think that's really 
that's really going to finalize um, his campaign for coach of the year. I'd be very surprised if he didn't get it at that point. Um, whether or not the voting occurs before the first round of the playoffs, I don't know. But um, coach of the year, Brad Stevens, Jackson, um, surely you believe. It's a no-brainer in my opinion. It's really not. I mean, I, he had a good case to get it last year as far as I'm concerned, you know, getting the one seed with the team that we had, although Isaiah Thomas had that historic season. I thought it was an achievement yeah. then, but anyway, missed out. Um, this season, you feel like it's going to be Dwayne Casey, don't you? Like, I mean, probably... I fear that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think probably the best thing you could say about the Raptors is that their bench has certainly stepped up when they've needed them to. I mean, there's a lot of guys in there who are averaging double figures and they all know their roles quite well. And so you can't, you know, take away from, you know, the coaching or the, that organization in general. And he's got to get credit for that. But yeah, I mean, DeRozan's having a great season. Lowry's having a great season. Um, take one of those guys out. Like we've had one of our two big stars go out. See what happens. You know, that maybe they're still the one seed. Maybe they're the number two seed. Maybe they're the fifth seed. You never know. I know that the Celtics, though, lost the most expensive player. One guy who was meant to be incredibly pivotal to this entire season and a playoff run and potentially a championship run later in the, in the future. We've been without him. We started 0-2. We had to give minutes to, to, to our rookie and a second-year player. You know, everyone was talking about whether we're going to make the make the playoffs even, you know. Well, we certainly were, but everyone else in the NBA was. So all of yeah. a sudden, here we are, 16 win, 16 win streak, amazing basketball through and through the season. We had a bit of a rough patch around December, January into the All-Star break. We've come out again now, even more injuries, even more setbacks, and here we are three games from the number one seed. You know, I, I, in my opinion, it's, it, it's a no-brainer. I am a Celtics fan, obviously, so I've got a bit of a homer Sweaty opinion in that one. But look, if he doesn't <laughs> win it this season, I'll be upset. It won't be the end of the world, obviously. There were more important things that I think, you know, Brad Stevens himself would want. Um, if he is going to win Coach of the Year, I would like it to be for the year that we do make it at least to the finals, just to give it a little bit more validity. You know, you can win the MVP and go out in the first round of the playoffs like Westbrook last year. You can win the MVP and maybe make it the finals, maybe win the finals like Harden might do this season. And that's going to be seen as more an achievement, whereas Westbrook, you know, it's good to travel. There's a bit of a tangent here, sorry. But it's nice to average a triple-double, win the MVP. But at the end of the day, what did he get out of it, you know, other than just some accolades and some plaudits? There was no ring. So yeah, I think if totally. Brad is the loser this year, couple it up with a championship runner and at least something of that caliber, and, you know, I think it will, better, will be all better for it. Yeah, uh, that would be super nice. Uh, drooling a little bit here at the uh, just the prospect of that. But uh, look... <laughs> He's in the running this year. He'll probably be in the running every year that he's a coach in the NBA, hopefully mm. for the Celtics for all of those years. Um, I'm going to try and segue this into the next piece of news. So Brad Stevens is a wonderful man, does wonderful things, and maybe he'll do wonderful things for Xavier Silas, a G League guard who will sign a 10-day contract with the Boston Celtics League sources, Tell Woj at ESPN. Um, never heard of this guy, um, but to be fair, I've not heard of many of the G League players. Hopefully, he's better than James Young. Hopefully, he's better than Abdul Nader. But the first comment here on the thread posted to our sub earlier today, nine hours ago, Pierce Brady Ortiz. Nice little buster name there. <laughs> Brad will turn him into a solid role player within one quarter. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, coach of the year, Brad Stevens, could, could potentially do that. But um, at this point, with all the injuries that we're incurring, and you know, Mook's got the ankle injury now, um, we need as much firepower as we can get. And apparently, this guy's a pretty good shooter. He's the guard. Um, and we need extra guards at this point, really, with Smart out 
so I don't know. Have you heard much about this uh, Xavier Silas guy, Jackson? Yeah, oh, yeah, man. Favorite player in the G League. Just knocking <laughs> down guy, baskets huh? big time. Oh, yeah. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> no, nah, look, never heard of him. I don't have high hopes for him. I'm, I'm so glad he's a part of the team and I want him to do great things. And I hope his 10-day contract turns into a month contract, turns into a two-month contract, and he just takes the league by storm. But I feel like we might have another Jarrell Eddy on our hands. Remember him from about two months ago? Yeah, didn't really see much of his face. More of the name. No, we really. didn't. We didn't. So, uh, yeah, prove me wrong, uh, Mr. Silas. Prove me wrong. Xavier Silas is a cool name, though. Like, sounds like a uh, like a character that you might encounter in one of the Matrix sequels or something. Just sounds like know. a villain. Sounds like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully, he comes good for us. Um, user Brad Stevens, funnily enough, who who posted that to the sub, um, added some stats there around Xavier Silas. So, in the G League. 18.4 points, 4.1 rebounds, 1.9 assists, I'm assuming, uh, on 61.2 true shooting percentage. Now, as we've seen from Abdul Nader, the G League, stats don't necessarily translate to the NBA stuff, but um, that's okay. Obviously, our guys, our front office, see something in him, so hopefully that uh, becomes something rather than nothing. Now, we'll move on very quickly because our amazing and very talented rookie, Jason Tatum, has just hit the 1,000-point mark um, at this point in his rookie season, which is pretty amazing. Still got, I think, about 10 games to go to add to that. Um, But given all all the the sort of aforementioned turmoil and adversity that the team has faced, the fact that he's been able to step up and and find a role for himself in this offense uh, and score uh, just over 1,000 points is uh, pretty impressive, I think. Yeah, it's huge. More than Markel Fultz more than Lonzo Ball. So, I mean, <laughs> you, yeah. you, could, you could obviously make a case for a guy like, um, uh, what's his name from Utah? Donovan Mitchell, you know, killing it this season. Oh, yeah. Ben Simmons, I mean, yeah. you know, a rookie over the year. Yeah, sure. Um, but no, look, it's a great achievement for Jason. And I mean, let's hope to see another thousand, another 10,000, another how many thousand. I don't care. Just keep more, more of it, Jason. Keep it coming. It's cool because like he sort of averages, I haven't got his stats up in front of me for the season, but like he'll often finish games with like 13 or 14 points. And you just kind of find yourself wishing that he was taking more shots and like love to see him have a 30 point game before the season's out. But I just don't think he's enough of a focal point. Maybe that changes now with Mook out. But um, he's been chipping away at those sort of 13, 14 point totals and it's amounted to a thousand points. So uh, good on him. And here's to 2000 next year. Now we mentioned Mook a second ago. Looks like he's okay. We, we talked about this slightly earlier in the game reviews earlier in the show. Um, but TV Abbey, the, uh, the sideline reporter for the Celtics, mm-hmm. uh, basically came out with a tweet earlier today saying that the x-rays came back negative. He's out days, not weeks. That's really good to see. And apparently he walked out of the arena, look, that is, uh, in sneakers on his own power. No um, like crutches or anything like that. So um, that's sounding good because it did look like a pretty nasty sprain there for a second. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it reminded me of Kawhi Leonard for, um, you know, just the fact that he came down in his airspace and he twisted the knee up. Um, the fact that he got up kind of, you know, he was wincing, but was able to at least walk. And like I think we mentioned earlier, hit the, the three free throws before walking off. I mean, like I was obviously not thrilled to see him ailing like that. But um, that tweet there just, you know, makes me feel a whole lot better. And I think if we have to miss him for the next game, I mean, that's obviously a big loss. But um, I think it'd be more important to get him back um, or at least have him rested with the possibility of facing uh, Toronto. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we're going to get onto the Toronto game in our future matchups uh, over the next week, a little later in the show. Now, quickly, one final news item, very popular meme. That has helped us uh, as, I guess, a bit of a coping mechanism uh, since the six minutes into the, the 
first game of the season has been the 323 meme. Uh, Gordon's birthday, Kyrie's birthday, and the long predicted date of Gordon Hayward's return. He didn't return on the 23rd of March. In fact, we got some pretty gruesome news on that date, which has since been sort of lightened a little bit with the the news around uh, no structural damage for Kyrie's knee. But uh, you've put here in our our little Google sheet, Jackson, what a sick joke it turned out to be. What a sick, sick joke. Um, What are your thoughts? Yeah, that was um, that was definitely. I, I didn't realize when it was three twenty three at, at that point when I when I uh, got got the news there. But um, I, at some yeah. stage today, it it, um, it all clicked into place. This was the twenty fourth Australian time, so it was the twenty third uh, American time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, our faith was lost. But um, ended up being uh, quite a good day when we uh, knocked off the Blazers. So uh, you know, Hell yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the tw- the three twenty three that we wanted in terms of the personnel, but in terms of the result and the performance and um, how the rest of the day went, um, yeah, you know. Good day overall. Didn't let us yeah. down too much. It was kind of funny. Like, not only is your perennial max contract all star player not healed, but hey, your other amazing, sweet all star player is actually getting surgery. So, fuck yeah. you guys. <laughs> it's cruel. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break and we're going to be back in a moment with some opponent watch with Jackson. Right, this is opponent watch. Boy, I'll stop doing that. I think I tried to do it last week, and I shouldn't. No, I shouldn't put my own thing. reverb in. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, so um, we'll start with the number one seed, the Raptors. Now they had a bit of an up and down week, two and two. They got the wins against the Magic and the Nets, as you'd probably expect them to. But then they um, had that bit of probably would have been a bit of a demoralizing loss uh, to the Cavs, where um, LeBron just went thermonuclear. I think was that the game where he had 17 assists and no turnovers ridiculous yeah They'd, that's the one yeah and then they also <laughs> lost to uh the clippers which is probably a game you would expect them to win but the clippers can be a bit pesky and can you knock over some teams if they're not you know if they're not having their best night which they did there now a week ago i was under the impression that the first seed was dead i'm probably probably in the minority of people who are now starting to believe that it could be potentially back on uh we're currently three games behind the raptors now the Raptors play the Nuggets tomorrow. Now, the Nuggets are coming off a loss and a runner back-to-back. But I was about to say maybe their playoff hit chances have taken a bit of a hit there. But Minnesota lost to the 61-point losers, the Memphis Grizzlies, somehow <laughs> uh, today. So as far as a bit of incentive for the Nuggets is concerned, they can definitely still make the, um, the West Conference playoffs. But they will need to win as many games as possible. So they've got the Raptors up next. Um, if they can somehow get that done, and that is, and they beat the Raptors, we've then they've got the Utah Jazz, which is going to be a, a hell of a game, a very, very, very tough game against a very good Jazz team without Marcus Morris and, you know, who else might get injured before then too. So if we can win that game, if we can go do a sweep of the West Conference road trip, that would be amazing. But then we would find ourselves only two games behind by the time we play them on Saturday. Now, if we win that game, Obviously, that becomes one game behind. Now, there's no one, no one is going to be out there saying that there's no chance we can't get the one seed on the back of all these wins and knocking over the Raptors. There's a few things that have to line up for that, but I think it's definitely, I think it's possible. Now, the only other thing that I would say going beyond that is the Raptors' schedule coming up. It's it's not that great. It doesn't make for great reading if you need to win games. They've got the Nuggets as we talked about. Then we've got the Celtics. Then the Cavs. Then the Celtics. By the way, that Cavs Celtics last two games. 
back to back. So I think they can be got at, man. I think we can catch them. Do you think so, Ben? I, I really hope so. I, I would like to think, you know, you mentioned that the Nuggets are, are clawing at an eight seed spot there out in the West, which is just crazy out there at the moment. Um, if they can win that game that they must know that they so badly need to win, they're probably going to take everything that they have to the Raptors. If they can win that game, then it potentially snowballs from there for the Raptors. We have so few of our original starting players from the beginning of the season, and yet we're playing insanely well. Um, not only could we win that game with the likes and leadership of Terry Rozier and Marcus Morris, uh, if he's back from his ankle injury, but then we, we talked about it earlier. That would really, really bolster Brad Stevens' Coach of the Year campaign. If you know he's up against four Coach of the Year, basically Dwayne Casey, if he can come at him with half of his team and win, uh, simultaneously propelling us back towards the first seed and himself to the Coach of the Year award, um, that would be amazing. So I'm drooling at the prospect of that happening. Uh, but it really, it's it's the Raptors' one seed to lose at this point, and we're probably going to keep winning games. We've been doing really well and doing so against some some top tier teams. Um, so it's really up to the Raptors to lose some of those games, but definitely some challenging matchups ahead for them. So who knows? Yeah, hopefully they can do us a favor there and uh, sabotage themselves. That would be nice. Now moving on to um, another opponent of ours, um, in, potentially we will be facing in the playoffs. It's the Cavaliers now. It's not the best reading when you talk about the Cavaliers. LeBron James is having just is on an absolute tear. He's having one of the it's best. Terrifying. Yeah, it is. It's is really depressing and quite impressive at the same time. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's probably having one of the best seasons of his career. Really, um, certainly the last month he's been fantastic. I think one of the big things we did talk about on a few earlier episodes of this podcast. Kevin Love has since come back and they've gone four and zero. Don't think that's any coincidence whatsoever. They've they're looking like they're getting themselves together just at the moment when it matters and that's probably what most people were were thinking would happen anyway but it is coming to fruition um their next four games they've got the heat the hornets the pelicans and the mavs given the form that they're in i wouldn't be surprised they won all four of them they might drop one maybe to the heat maybe to the hornets who are just having a pretty decent end to the season here thus far but um yeah, I fancy them to probably get all four of those and, um, you know, really bolster themselves into that third seed, which if we finish second, that's uh, there's a second round meeting for you. How do you feel about that, Ben? Yeah, well, it looks like we're six games up on the Cavs still at the moment, so not as close as it is with the Raptors, but we need to keep winning games to ensure that we don't come close to becoming anxious about the possibility of dropping down to the third seed. Another interesting thing there is that the... 76ers are only one game back mm. um, in the fourth spot there from the Cavs. They've been playing really, really well off the back of uh, Ben Simmons, amazing Australian basketball player. I think he's from Newcastle, right, Jackson? He spent four <laughs> years of his youth here. Obviously, his formative, important years for all his basketball knowledge, obviously. So, yes, he did. Um, you mentioned the Sixers. They're on a seven-game win streak. They just got Markel Fultz back today. And if you looked at the front page of uh, NBA Reddit today, it was Markel Fultz is back. Marco Fultz balls his first shot back. Marco Fultz with an alley hoop. Marco Fultz with a swish. Marco Fultz with a crossover. It was the Marco Fultz fucking appreciation now. I mean, like, good on him, too. I'm not going to try and, you know, begrudge the dude for coming back from, you know, whatever it is. He was. He had a shoulder injury, so therefore he couldn't shoot properly. And he was a massive Something meme. Like and all you would see every two weeks was him in, in training, like just shooting how I shoot 
shooting the, like me. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and, and it was he was almost in danger of becoming a meme. But like you know, can't can't hate on the dude. He's, he's come back and he had a pretty good game. Ten points and eight assists there. And I'm I'm starting to think that Philadelphia might not be the the, the mentally fragile team I was thinking they'd be in the postseason. I said a few weeks ago I wouldn't mind playing them just because that core is so inexperienced when it comes to the playoffs. But the fact that Simmons is playing so well, Embiid is now playing every night, Fultz is back into the rotation. They're just they're looking pretty dangerous, and I think I, I would I would absolutely love it if there is some sort of situation where they could face the Cavs in the second round. I don't think that's going to happen somehow, but if it does come to be that we're in the second seed, Cavs in the third, the Raptors 76ers series would actually be very interesting to watch because I honestly couldn't rule out Philly winning that series. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't envy whoever matches up with them in any round of the playoffs, but I do think young young teams in particular have a tendency to get exposed in a best-of-seven series um, when they can be thoroughly coached against, where um, a coaching squads or a coaching team's full um, you know, analytical power can be focused on one team and strategies can be formed and defensive schemes can be um, utilized against a specific offense. I think a team with such little playoff experience as the 76ers have the tendency, despite all of their talent, to potentially be exposed in the playoffs. But um, like I said, don't envy anyone who has to play them. And if they do face up against the Raptors, um, and potentially knock off the Raptors, and uh, we'll all be rejoicing over here in Celtic land for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I've, despite all this, I still fancy our chances against them. I think Brian can probably figure out. He can probably figure out a way to, you know, limit Ben Simmons as much as he can. Big men we tend to struggle with with Embiid, but yeah, again, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be overly confident, but I would be optimistic, put it that way, going up against them. I guess the last opponents we have to touch on are the uh, the current 7th and 8th seeds, which we will, you know, as basically guaranteed, it'll be one of these two guys in the first round. The Heat yeah. or the Bucks? Who do you fancy? Who would you like to I keep, see? I keep changing my mind. I think last time we spoke about this, I said the Heat. Now I feel like it's the Bucks, mm. uh, despite the obvious presence of uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I just feel like they have been playing the least consistently out of, of all the teams that we could potentially face. And I do feel like we, we talk about exposing young teams just a second ago that Brad Stevens could absolutely do that to the Bucs. They had a coaching change mid-season, don't necessarily have it all together. And with a guy like Giannis on your team, you'd expect them to have a better record than what they have, particularly better than teams like the Wizards and the Pacers. Um, that's not happened for them. So I don't feel like they're capable of much. And if you look at the teams below them, other than the Heat, there's not a lot of competition there, so it's sort of not surprising that they would stumble into the seventh seed there. Mm. So if we end up facing them in the first round, I think we've got enough big bodies like Shemi, uh, Mook, etc., to throw at Giannis to nullify him. Yeah. Uh, and we've got enough offense with our little skeleton squad that we can we can get it done against that team. So to me, the Bucks is the ideal scenario in the first round. What have you got? Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there, man. I think as much as Giannis can be, you know, unplayable sometimes, he is still young. He was in the the playoffs last year, and I think he was like the top scorer in four out of the six games that they had up against the Raptors, and he got a lot of assists and a lot of boards too. So he can definitely bring it on a big stage. But um, I would be quite confident with that. I'd be more confident slightly with them versus the Heat, only in the fact that Eric Spolstra 
as championship pedigree. He's been to the playoffs many, many times. I think that team probably yeah. should have been in the playoffs last year. Um, Dwayne Wade is back there, even if he's not the same Dwayne Wade as the years past. You know, you can't you know rule out that kind of experience. Uh, Kelly Olynyk, if we get to Game Seven, look out! I don't want to borrow yeah, that. No. <laughs> and, I mean, yeah, just don't do that to us. Yeah, like, I don't want to see that. No, no, like no. That. So I think um, I think it'll be a tough series either way. But uh, again, I think I think without Irving and without Smart, I feel. I feel I feel like the Bucks is still the best way to go. I feel like Brad can null. I feel like if you nullify Giannis, which Brad can is definitely I would believe in the can. If you can come up with a game plan to nullify Giannis, the rest of the team can take care of that. I think if we go up with the Heat, it's more of a tactically um, uh, astute sort of matchup there, and it'll be two coaches really going at it. And I think we really won't have any kind of room for error in that situation there. So yeah, I'm hoping for the Bucks just by this much. Yeah, no, I think that's fair enough. I've said this a thousand times uh, since we signed Greg Monroe, but previously one of the more difficult aspects of playing the Bucks, aside from the obvious in in Giannis, was facing the Moose. Like he would absolutely kill us inside, just like put the post moves on us, and and he always seemed to get a huge amount of points, well, well above his average whenever we would play them. Um, now, just the fact that Greg Monroe is not playing for the Bucks, I think, is another tick in the please let us sure. face the Bucks column. So um, hopefully that happens. Now I've added, added something to the opponent watch uh, segment here, and that is he's not an opponent, um, but he does play for our biggest rival. That's Isaiah Thomas. He's left the Los Angeles Lakers as his injury woes continue with his hip. So I've got an article up here from the Los Angeles Times, which basically says, and I'll read just the opening paragraph, Isaiah Thomas was not with the Lakers during their game Monday night, leaving for New York to evaluate treatment options for his injured hip. Thomas began feeling stiffness Saturday in Memphis, and the Lakers declared him out for that game. And Mondays, it is unclear when Thomas will return to the team or if he is considering surgery. So that's pretty brutal for Isaiah Thomas, someone who we all love in uh, Celtics land. It looked like he was starting to string a couple of good performances together uh, after joining the Lakers, but the fact that he's left the team with this same hip injury, I don't know. I just feel bad for the guy. Like he was talking max contract a year ago and now now this so yeah it's yeah, it's, it's, it's really had the best year of his career two years or a year too early unfortunately um i i want him to get paid i want him to get picked up i want him to be on a team somewhere and falling out you know obviously i don't want him to you know, get a championship before the celtics but i mean he's, he's, a, he's <laughs> yeah. a guy who just you can't help but you know not have tremendous admiration for if you're a celtics fan so to hear that it's it's, it's quite heartbreaking and um you know you got to wish him all the best yeah, and I'm, I hate even saying this, but on the other side of the coin, it's like Danny, like yeah, good job. Like, mm. you know, if if there was any news internally about hip issues with Isaiah Thomas, they they certainly dealt with that well from a front yeah. office perspective. There's absolutely uh like no like um like code of ethics or or, or morals or anything like that involved in that trade. It was absolutely brutal and cold hearted. But yeah. um looks like they for sure did the right thing. They the absolutely team. were suspicious or they were doubtful that it was that he was gonna come back the same and I think that was probably the biggest the biggest factor in the trade. They knew he probably wasn't gonna come back the same player. So, you know, it is it's cold hearted, it is cruel, it is unfortunate, but I mean it was absolutely the right decision. So gotta be thankful for that at least. It's a business, as they say. Moving on, we're going to run through some of the top posts from the sub over the past week, something we like to do here on the Boston Celtics Reddit podcast. Uh, In no particular order, 
Uh, a quote which was posted to our sub. Um, I'll shout out that user in a second once I've read this. Paul George on Jason Tatum. Obviously, we played the Thunder earlier in the week. He doesn't look like a rookie. He looks like a star in this league. He has that confidence. He has that game. I think I heard earlier before the OKC game that Tatum was nervous because Paul George was one of his favorite players when he was a younger guy. Mm. Um, so that's pretty cool to see those words coming from Paul George himself. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the the NBA community, the players, they obviously, like a lot of them look out for each other and a lot of them have, you know, particularly, you know, veterans to rookies. You can tell that the relationship there is, is you know, quite wholesome and quite good to see that they encourage them and they, they certainly nurture them through there. So, um, yeah, fantastic. That was Clayish who posted um, that top of there. Uh, yes. uh, top poke on that one is uh, Mr. T-Pat. Uh, it says real, recognize real. So, um, yeah, that's a fairly, uh, fairly good summation of, of that quote there. Someone else wrote, uh, this is by user John Tao. Good thing we didn't trade the Nets pick for Paul George. (laughs) Tatum instead. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) just quickly on that, I think if Brad Stevens got a hold of Paul George in this defense, then, oh, Jesus. I mean, I think we could probably have some, like, real, real, real lockdown defense. Not that we don't already at times this season, but I thought, I honestly think he'd be fantastic in there. But the price we would have paid for him, given that we've got Dalgum and what we could have had with him, yeah, yeah, I'm glad we didn't. Yeah, and like you, in terms of contract difference, like Paul George is a free agent after this year, mm-hmm. whereas Tatum, if you factor in restricted free agency, like we have the potential to keep him for seven years, including this season that's almost over. So um, definitely prefer the situation that we're in. Um, moving on, Hayward in a Twitch stream earlier in the week, I think he was playing Fortnite and... I haven't actually watched this. I'm just I've read through the comment thread. It was one of the the more popular posts on the sub five days ago from user Ward zero six three zero, and he was quoted as saying, "Heywood, that is, uh, there was no setback." So someone in the stream that he was playing with obviously uh, commented or asked him, you know, what's the deal with the reported setback in your rehab? Uh, and it was interesting to hear that Heywood said that. Whether or not that's just confidence and bravado, you know, which is typical of an athlete, to to deny. Uh, that speculation that there was a setback in his rehab or whether or not, you know, that news was was uh, mited up somehow and it's not actually the truth. It was just cool to see that, you know, him himself is, is so confident in the, in how his rehab is going and it's exciting to hear that maybe there wasn't a setback in, in the end. Yeah, it'd be funny if uh, Kawhi Leonard played as much uh, Fortnite as Gordon Haywood. He could be dishing <laughs> on his um, his injury updates and his um, his perspective of, uh, of his situation in general. But uh, we're not as privy to that. So luckily we've got Gordy on, um, on Twitch there and we can get the inside word. Yeah, now look, um, he's probably just staying positive. I mean, Seth back you know define exactly what a setback is in terms of you know the context of recovering from you know a, a broken bone or whatever you know a, a setback oh I, I was going to be able to you know do a box jump by week 15 i haven't been able to do it so that's a setback but at the end of the day it's not like he's like re-injured it or anything like that i think if that was the case it would be someone would have leaked the story or something would have got out there now so um i think he was just clearing that up that everything's still going good and we can still you know expect to see him back you know I've bought that one up yes. again, which I shouldn't have, but yeah, no, <laughs> it's looking good. It's looking good. Yeah, it, it is looking good. It's looking promising. I don't know about this year, but certainly for a, a full healthy return next year, but uh, it's a quality format of content. If you think about it relative to like a column in the newspaper nowadays, like we just get quotes from players while we watch them play video games, which is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. I think it's the world, um, we, the world we live in, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I wish people cared when I play video games. Um, unfortunately. Not the case. Moving on, 
Brad motherfucking Stevens appreciation thread. Mm-hmm. Brad Stevens got his own appreciate appreciation thread as well this week. Rightly so. He probably should just have a weekly stickied green appreciation thread in our yeah, subreddit. Like a because- shrine that we can just bow down to every now and then. Yeah, like the one I've got in my house. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Six guys out with injuries. Six guys. He built an offense around Marcus fucking Morris and got the job done against the third best team in the West. Best coach in the league, and it's not even close. That was the post that was put by Tom Brady official. Tom Brady himself with high praise uh, for our man Brad Stevens. Yeah, real recognize real. Just like the last just like the last thread there. Um, yeah, no, look, we'd be probably just repeating everything we talked about earlier in terms of the coach of the year. I mean, I've been going ad nauseum about how much, you know, I just love Brad Stevens and how he's, I, I believe, you know, championships aside, I, I would want to have any other coach in the league other than him right now. So, uh, yeah, massively deserved appreciation, not just for this game, but for the season in general. Totally. Finally, uh, Marcus Morris on if he had any hesitation before taking the winning three. Hesitation? I didn't even know how to spell that shit, he was quoted (laughs) as saying at the end of the game. Just classic mook. Um, And no surprises there. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen him hesitate to take any sort of shot, no matter how smart or dumb a shot it is. So I'm certainly glad he didn't hesitate to take that one. Um, And we got the win, so that was cool to see. He's got such good delivery, all block delivery. He's got such great tone of voice. It's just so deadpan, so dry. Hesitation. I can't even. I can't even spell that shit. Like it's. It's just. It's. 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 It's got so much. So much dry humor and wit in there. But at the same time, it's just. Yeah. It. It feels like he just honestly doesn't give a shit in the best possible way. Yeah, and he's been immortalized in gift form now because right after he hit that game-winning shot, it like cut to him and he's drinking his Gatorade cup and just like sort of does like a little tip of the hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) which is awesome to see. And that was like all up around Twitter, everywhere, like moments later. Made the Banner 18 boogie too, which was, you know, shout out for including that. Now quickly, before we let you go for another week, we're going to move on to the upcoming games. Actually, only two games between now and when you'll hear from us next. We've got the Jazz on Wednesday, and we've got the Raptors on Saturday. So with the Jazz, we last played them on the 16th of December 2017 and lost 107-95 in Boston. It was the game where Rudy Gobert went out uh, fairly early with the knee injury. But if you remember, I've actually suppressed these memories. I had to look this up earlier today. Uh, It was Rubio who destroyed us with uh, 22 points. And Donovan Mitchell, Rodney Hood, and Jonas Derebko, former uh, Fungo subject, uh, also all had 17 points, and Kyrie had 33 points in the loss. Do you have any uh, memories or any thoughts that you've uh, held on to from our matchup with the Jazz, or I didn't see any that, Jazz hot takes? Yeah, I didn't see that game. I was working, but I was, as I normally am when I'm working, on my app, like updating every 30 seconds, yeah. trying to, to get there. I think <laughs> it we, was a tragedy. We were down by a lot, and then we got it back to basically level or like very close and then they just kicked away again which is like it, 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 that sucks it really sucks losing like that like when you, you think it's gone yeah we're back in we're back in, we're back in. Oh, then it blows out and it's like you know you can get you might not be as you know as, as, as hot as you are if you like you lose and the last shot or something goes down um, in that fashion but um, yeah very disappointing um, you know speaking of former Celtics Jay Crowder now on the Jazz and playing much, much better yeah. for the Jazz than he was for the um, the Cavaliers. So, you know, uh, again, good good for Jay. Respect to him. Um, Quinn Snyder's a very good coach. The Jazz are playing really well, really underrated. You know, that, that West is so just stacked with solid 
good teams and you know they're playing really really well i mean also a shout out another rosie joe ingles who i haven't been taking a close eye on his numbers but they've just been going up and up and up and he's earning himself a bit of a cult status there in um in uh, in utah and and reddit nba as well too if you'll see his name pop up there every now and then too so look i honestly i, I said this about the games last week I, I don't like our chances of winning sadly only because We've won four in a row. We've won three on the road. We got the Portland win, which was incredibly important. I think if Morris is going to be out going into this game at the Jazz, they're still fighting very much for, for playoff seeding. They're going to be determined to get the to get the win here. I think we are probably going to rein it back or not go as hard because I think the Raptors game is more important on Saturday. Um, but as we talked about earlier, I think... If there is a chance we can win this game, we'd find ourselves in well in this game at three quarter time, or, or you know, mashing with it for the most part. I really feel like we should go for it because you know, if we do get it, and then going into the Raptors game, then like that that one seed could be very gettable. So yeah, I, I don't have the highest of hopes. If we do lose, I don't think it's the end of the world. But I mean, obviously, if we can get it, it the ramifications could be pretty large. Yeah, I mean, we've lost. You could say the majority of our offensive firepower with all the injuries. Um, you know, although Mook and some other guys have stepped up for sure. But I think that lack of offensive firepower combined with the Jazz, they've got the best defensive, defensive rating, rating since yeah. the All-Star break. It's 95.2, which is a good five points lower than anyone else. Mm. We've dropped back to six, although we do still have the best overall defensive rating throughout the season. But it's the Jazz whose defense has really stepped up since the All-Star break. And I think that's not going to pair well with our lack of offense. It'll be it'll be interesting to see the Jazz. They're twelve and four since the All Star break. They're also second in net rating since the All Star break, behind only Houston. So they're playing really, really, really well. It's going to be interesting to see Crowder. It's going to be interesting to see Jarebko, all their old favorites, and um, it should be a good game. Now moving on, we've got the Raptors on Saturday. Potential battle for the eventual holder of the number one seed. We're 1-1 one one against the Raptors on the season. We last played in Toronto on the 6th of February and lost by 20 points, 111-91. Horford had only two points and finished negative 15 in the loss. Kyrie himself only had 17 points. Terry Rogier had a team-high 18 points in 24 minutes off the bench. So Rogier, a potential Raptor killer, and he's probably going to be starting at the point guard for our team against them. So will that be the difference, Jackson? Yeah, why not? I mean, he's yeah, he has right? he hasn't not stepped up to the plate thus far. This is this is a huge game, really. You know, there might be the naysayers who say, "Oh, it doesn't matter. You know, you still got to get past LeBron and all that stuff." Sure, good point. But psychologically, going into this game with the Raptors, you know, it is one and one. We played them once earlier this season. That's where we got them by one point. No Kyrie for that game either. That came down to that final possession. I think you had Jason Tatum defending DeMar DeRozan, who um, bricked his mid-range yeah. jumper, which, you know, a mid-range from um, DeRozan is normally money. So we got away with it there. Obviously got blown out in that, that final loss. That was coming in the lead-up to the All-Star break, and I think that was coming in our slump. And that was probably as Toronto was really starting to catch fire and do their thing. So I think... Yeah. Definitely, the first game is more of a reflection of where these two teams are at, and it's probably going to be a similar game um, than what we saw. I expect it to be close. I expect it to be back and forth, lots of nitty gritty. 
I really hope we can get this win here. Like, I think it's, I think psychologically it, it, it's huge because I think a lot of people have kind of written us off as like almost like the third favourites to come out of the East. It's very much Cavs, Raptors, then us. I think a win over here over the Raptors, again, without Kyrie and without Marcus Smart, I think it's going to be huge. And then, obviously, we have to back up and play them again. I think it's only less than a week later, this time in Toronto. So I think if we were to lose that and then go into the Toronto game away again, with won't be without Kyrie or Smart to get done there, then I think that could, you know, have a bit of a negative psychological effect on the team. So I think it's imperative that we get this one at home. Yeah, definitely. It's like a little mini-series and we want to make sure we get mm. game one heading into that, that game two a, a few days later. Um, the Raps are 13-4 and four since the All-Star break. Third best offensive rating post-All-Star break at 114.2, trailing only the Warriors and the Rockets. That game on uh, Saturday coming up this weekend, early Easter Sunday, Australia, New Zealand time. That's going to be a, a tasty little uh, Easter surprise for us here, uh, hopefully if we get the win. But I'll be on the couch at home chowing down on some uh, some chocolate eggs and uh, hopefully watching the Celtics take it to the Raptors. So... That one's going to be exciting. Now, that's all we've got time for here on this episode of the Boston Celtics Reddit Podcast. Thank you again for joining us. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast, available on the majority of platforms with the exception of Spotify, which we are working on. Please subscribe. Please rate us five stars. It's very important to us and, and helps us as we continue our journey in this foray into the, uh, the world of podcasting. Jackson, thanks so much for joining us again this week. Looking forward to next week, mate. Cheers, man. Likewise. Thanks again, guys. We'll see you at the next one. Peace. Peace.